we, are, we are excited because I, I honestly believe this. I said this in the 915. It's not in my script at all. But I honestly believe that this week ahead is going to be the best week of your life. <laughs> the way you're sitting there looking at me right now is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're lying to me. Um, that might sound like a bit of pop psychology. Um, hands up if you just had the best week of your life. Hands up. Anyone get married or something this week? Jenny, come on. I know you guys got married this past week. There you go. There you go. Um, it's funny, isn't it? So often we, we, we base the reality of having like the best day or the best week of our life by our circumstances and situations. You know, like if I have a great week because I've done something amazing or, or new or my circumstances are great, we're like, we respond with the idea of I just had the best week of my life. But it's really interesting that, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that our relationship with Jesus is new every morning, that it's almost like the next seven days can be the greatest that you've ever had in your life because you have a shepherd. You have Jesus in your life who's longing to shape and mold and transform you and renew you and, and come to know you more. And I think so often we, we think that our best weeks are because of circumstances, situations. Maybe our best week is simply knowing that Jesus is with us again. So when I come back here next week and I say, did you just have the best week of your life? You're all gonna go, yes! Okay, maybe not, all right, whatever. Here's why I just had the best week of my life. Because I can honestly stand before you and say this. The Lord is my shepherd, so I shall not be in want. The Lord is my shepherd, so there has never been a better week of my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I have never felt more alive than I do right now. The Lord is my shepherd, so I shall not be in want. Perhaps one of the most famous verses in the whole of the Bible, certainly the most famous verse perhaps in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a verse, it's a psalm that's read in funerals, it's read in a variety of different places. Perhaps you've come to hear it in a lot of different TV shows and things that happen around the world. This is what Psalm 23 is for us. It's a famous psalm. But it's a famous psalm because it sits with an incredibly important metaphor. In fact, it's a metaphor that's found throughout the whole of Scripture. It's not just a metaphor that's mentioned once or twice. It's a metaphor that starts at the beginning in Genesis. And it's a metaphor that's also repeated at the end, towards the end of Revelation. And it's the idea that God is our shepherd. Now, if you're anything like me, that is a metaphor that is about as far removed from the context of Hong Kong that you could ever possibly imagine. I mean, follow this. When was the last time you were at a cocktail party and you said those words that we always say at a cocktail party, what do you do? And someone responded, I'm a lawyer. And you're like, yes, of course. And you say to the next person, what do you do? They said, I'm a doctor. You're like, well, of course you're a doctor. Do we have any bankers in here? And you ask the person next, what do you do? And they say, I'm a shepherd. And you're like, oh, okay. Doesn't happen, does it? We don't know what shepherds are because there's really not any shepherds in Hong Kong. But here's the powerful thing. I think actually this metaphor of being a shepherd is actually the primary metaphor that God wants to speak over the church of Hong Kong right here and now in this incredibly critical time in Hong Kong's history. 
In fact, Psalm 23 is a psalm that's not just designed so that you personally would know that you have a God who loves you, that you're secure in, that has filled your life with great things so that you know that he provides for you and protects you. Psalm 23 is not just so that you would feel good about yourself and feel good about God and know that you've got a great life. Psalm 23 is actually designed to cause you to purposefully live out the reality of that security right in the midst of the craziness of the world around you. So often we read Psalm 23 and we think, oh, green pastures, quiet waters. In other words, I need to get out of Hong Kong. I need to get away from the crazy mess that I'm in. I need to get away from the stress and the anxiety. I need to get away from the rat race. I need to get away from all the, all the stuff that seems to fill my mind with anxiety. I need to just get away from life and then I can know a God who secures me. Psalm 23 is actually designed to say this. You can know the rest and the beauty and the security of God even in the craziest moments of your life. Good. And because of that, every week can be your best week. That is not dependent on circumstance or situation that you know you've got a great God. God is right here with you right now. Do you know when David wrote this psalm? We know actually, scholars know exactly when he wrote this psalm. He wrote this psalm when Absalom was hunting him down in order to kill him. He was living at the time in the wilderness, the Judean wilderness in Israel. It was in the middle of nowhere, a barren place. He was on his own and somebody was seeking him with armies to kill him and he sits down to write a poem. If I was in that situation and I wrote a poem, I would not start with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I would start with something like this. I am completely a lone God and somebody's trying to kill me. Where are you? Anyone else vibe with that? David, in the middle of perhaps the worst moment of his life, writes one of the most beautiful psalms about the security that's found in God's presence. Why? Because David is demonstrating something. He's not just writing a nice fluffy poem for you. He's saying, this is what it looks like when God actually is your shepherd. You can be rooted in the place of peace no matter what's happening around you. Jesus, many years later from from David's writings, picks up on this idea and he says, you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? The kingdom of God is like a little piece of yeast that you place in a massive bit of dough. And when it gets kneaded through the whole dough, it influences that whole dough. That little piece of yeast, I think Jesus was talking about this idea of living out the gospel in the world. Not becoming Christians so that we can escape the world, bungee jump up up into heaven and la-la on the clouds but so that we can be deeply rooted in the crises of our society. So that as Christians, we could find a home in the midst of the turmoil. So that when a city has protests and there's tear gas and Molotov cocktails flying, when there's a pandemic that enrages us all and shuts us behind closed doors, as Christians, we go, woo! It's my time to lean into the chaos around me with the hope of the gospel. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And even in this moment, I shall not be in want. Which means that you don't need to be in want either. Are you with me, church? The whole point of Psalm 23 is this. That you would be a non-anxious presence amid a chaotic world. Think about that for a second. Hands up if you would like to be a non-anxious presence. Okay, those that didn't raise your hands. We're going to talk later, okay? (laughs) 
We want to be a non-anxious presence. I want to be a non-anxious presence. What, could you imagine how beautiful it'd be to live in Hong Kong as a non-anxious presence? To be, to be rooted so deeply in the security of Christ that people are attracted to us and we can say, well, the reason I'm this is because of Jesus. And if you're anything like me, you're starting this series and we're going to take five weeks to unpack and I'm going to teach you as much as I can about this psalm over the next five weeks. But if you're anything like me, this is where we start. We start in the reality of our anxiety. Amen? We start in the reality that we're not a non-anxious presence. We start in the reality that we are stressed at times, that we are overwhelmed, that despite our Christian faith, we are still overwhelmed. And I think that's exactly where God wants us to start. And so I actually want to lead you in a meditation right now. No, don't freak out. It's not a new age thing, meditation, okay? It's actually biblical. It's in scripture. I want to lead you in a starting point of just reflecting where we are in the reality to the chaos that's around us. So I wonder whether you just close your eyes and if you're comfortable, you can just open your hands. You don't need to, but if you're comfortable. If you're online right now, I want to encourage you to do this as well. Just close your eyes where you are. Open your hands. I want to encourage you just to take a moment to Start this series before God with an open heart. I want you to take a moment to think honestly about the places of anxiety in your life right now. We all have them. None of us are immune to worry, to concern, frustration, hurt, being overwhelmed wherever it might be in your life right now, where you sense some anxiety, maybe a sense of fear, maybe a sense where you're not satisfied, where there's need in you. I wonder whether you just take a moment to think about those places for you. Some of you might want to invite the Holy Spirit just to reveal to you those places. Father, we thank you that although it's not always comfortable, sometimes it's important to recognize our anxiety. It's important for us to understand that there are things in life that do overwhelm us. Father, I just want to pray that you would come and meet each person here with their hands open and eyes closed before you. Wherever it is that they're feeling overwhelmed today, you would come. Whilst your eyes are closed and your hands are open, your heart is bowed, listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. For he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He actually restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, even though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death at times, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, 
they comfort me. I mean, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My, my head is anointed with oil. My, my cup, it overflows. I mean, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell, live, abide, have my roots, find my life in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, you can open your eyes. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? Isn't that wonderful? Verse one is a summary of the whole thing. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And Dave starts with that crazy statement. And then the rest of the psalm unpacks the power of what that means. And over the next five weeks, we're gonna unpack exactly what David means. I wanna, I wanna provide just a summary of that in our time together today. I wanna tell you a little bit about what being a shepherd is. But because you've never been to a cocktail party in Hong Kong and met a shepherd, I wanna take you now to the very place that David was writing about. David was writing about the Judean wilderness. He was in the Judean wilderness at the time and he was writing the psalm there. And I wanna take you there to help you to see and get a feel of exactly what a shepherd was like. Uh, back in 2016, I had the opportunity of traveling to Israel. Uh, and I had the opportunity of actually filming a documentary uh, sermon series called The Story of Jesus, where we went through the Gospel of Luke together. If you're a part of the Vine back then, uh, we did that series here together as a church. But during that time, uh, me and the film crew, we got to spend a day with an actual shepherd, like a real life breathing modern day shepherd in the Judean wilderness, right where David wrote this psalm. And uh, during that day, we filmed him, filmed his life, and we interviewed him, and he told us what it was and what it meant to be a shepherd. And so I'd love to take you right now to the Judean wilderness and introduce you to a friend of mine called Abdallah. Screens here or up here. Abdallah. <laughs> ברועי כפסים. זה בחורף יש יותר עבודה, כי יש נגיד בלילה יש כפסים שהם מצרכים למלית, זה התקופה שלהם מתחילה בחורף. הרועי, כאילו היום של הרועי הכפסים הוא לא נגמר אף פעם. יום אתה תמיד בשטח איתם, אתה לא יכול נגיד בלי אף אחד שהוא יישאר מהעדר, תגיד וואלה מחר אני צריך לעזוב אותם ואני אעשה קניות בחיפה ובירושלים. חייב שיהיה איתם מישהו 24 שעות.
لفعميم شي هنا قيد بمدبار لفات ازاي خويا يقول العزوف وتاب از شهو ناخ نجيت شعاشة عتايب أبال هو كمعات لو ناخ مياش ماشو از هو يتسي لتبيل لفعميم نجيد مهم كبلو نجيد إيزا فيروس إيزا مخالارة سنية زي نجيد مسكان بتوخ عادر وهو صريخ لتابيل لازمين فيتنرال شهو يتابيل فينوتيل لوزريكوت ويتابيل بزي كموت صريخ أز هو بخشاش هو بباخد ولاي هعادر شلو زي هو أز مدخليم هربي متيم لولو زئيف لفعميم يش زئيف أفال زئيف لفعميم نجيد نجيد بأت مأتا نجيد بأمتا مدبار لفعميم زيها زئيف هولو تكيف نجيد كيف سيخاد بهولو كيختو بشفي الأوخل بزيهو سلامات هو نجيد أتا لوميت كيلو إخا عزير الكفاسيم شلخا شي أتا عزير لنجيد لأنشي مخيريم لنجيد أتا رؤي شي أتا مترقيش لخيوت شلخا نوتيل لخالة رقيش لعود خيوت نجيد شيهم بمدبار نجيد هو نوتيل لخا نجيد شي أتا مترقيش لكل دفار مستكيل لبنادام شهو بنادام أتا إخت عزير الكفاسيم شلخا عزير العود نجيد أنشيم شي أتا لو مكير هروعيش كيلو هيوم شل هروعيتس هكفاسيم هو لو نجمار أفبعم أنا أهابتها عفوداء زوت بقام All right, there you go. Um, if anybody asks you, you've now finally met a shepherd. Now, there's a couple of things that Abdallah mentions here that I think helps us understand where David's coming from. Let me read you a few of these. The day of a shepherd doesn't finish, Abdallah says, ever. You are always in the field with them. There is no such thing as a part-time shepherd. There's no such thing as a shepherd one day and then kind of goes off shopping in Kozo Bay the next day, right? He said that himself, I can't go shopping in Haifa or Jerusalem, I have to be here all the time. Even when I'm resting, he says, I'm on the lookout to see if anything needs my help. There's this consistency, a sacrifice of 24-7. He said he's been being a shepherd for 15 years. So for 15 years, he's been with his sheep, day in, day out, nonstop. That's the life of a shepherd. And when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what he's trying to communicate to himself and to us is that we do not have a part-time God. You don't have a God who's a God for you sometimes and a God for you another time and other times he's just distant from you. 
I think so often as Christians, we actually think that God is sometimes distanced from us. We think in the good moments of life, we have God's presence. But in the bad moments, in the times where maybe we've done some things we're not proud of, or we've gotten involved in some things that we knew we shouldn't have gotten involved in, we think God distanced himself from us. That's completely not what Scripture teaches us. If Scripture says that God is a shepherd and Jesus himself uses the word, he says, I am the good shepherd. So if Jesus is saying that, what he's saying is, I've never given up on you. I've never failed you. I've never walked away from you. I'm always here for you. Even when you think I'm distant, I'm actually closer than you realize. Even in the things that you've done that I'm not proud of, that I don't want for you, that kind of breaks my heart for you, my grace is always stronger than my wrath. I'm here with you. And for some of you in this room, that's an incredibly important thing to grapple with. It's an important thing for you to know. You do not have a part-time God. He is always with you. Some of you in this room feel like he's a long way away because of simply how you're living your life. And I wanna encourage you. He has never been closer to you than right here in this moment. You okay? I need a little bit more, church. Are you there? He's never been closer to you than right in this moment. Because in his eyes, today is the greatest day of your life. Here's the second thing he says. He says this, when the sun is strong, I need to provide the sheep or the place for the shade or trees. A shepherd is a provider. When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's thinking about the idea of a shepherd providing for his flock. A shepherd's sole job, notice this, his sole job was to keep the sheep alive. And the way that he did that was by food and water. And here's the thing, the food and the water were never often in the same place. So a shepherd had to plan his day. He had to decide, okay, at the start of the day, we're gonna go to this field and I'm gonna get the food for the sheep. And then in the second part of the day, we're gonna go down the valley here to this river and they're gonna have a drink. And then in the third part of the day, I'm gonna bring them back up. The the shepherd had to plan all that out. He had to think, how do I best provide for my sheep to grow and to flourish, to be the best that they, they can be? Well, I've gotta plan that out, map that out. And here's the thing. A shepherd doesn't just plan it out on a daily basis. A shepherd had to plan it out on an annual basis because there are seasons. And in the summer season, the shepherd knows that food is in abundance because of the spring and the summer harvests. But water is at a premium. He also knows in the winter, food is not in abundance. And so here's what a shepherd had to do. A shepherd had to plan to provide for his sheep in the season of winter by in the season of spring and summer, actually harvesting more, storing it. So in the leaner months during winter, it had food to provide and give to its sheep. That's how much a shepherd has to think. They're a strategic planner over the life of their sheep. You need to know that your God is exactly the same. And this is a revelation for some of you here. God is a strategic planner over your life. He knows who you are. He knows where you're going. And like the seasons that the sheep go through, so we go through seasons, don't we? Some of you right now are in a season of winter, perhaps, in your life. You would be honest and say, I'm in a bit of a dark season. I'm in a difficult season. You need to know that that doesn't surprise God. You need to know that he knew that you were heading into that season. And because he knew you were heading into that season, he thought to himself, I better store up some stuff over here so that when they get into that season, I can provide out of the abundance of what they think they lack in that moment. You have a God who has planned every step of your life. 
Jesus himself would describe himself this way. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And if I'm in the beginning and I'm at the end, well, then everything in the middle is taken care of. And some of you just need to grasp a hold of this. If you're gonna become a non-anxious presence in Hong Kong, God's got you covered. God has everything in your life covered. The beginning and the end. That's what it is to provide as a shepherd. That's his life over you. That's his passion for you. And even in the winter months that you're in, you think that God has left you. You think he's surprised by it. No, no, no. He's already stored up the abundance of what he wants to give you in that time. Here's the third thing about us says. Sometimes there is a wolf in the middle of the desert and he doesn't just take one sheep for his food, but many if there's a virus or a sickness, the shepherd will be concerned for his herd. Not only is a shepherd 100% committed, 100% provides, but he also protects. He also protects from the wolves and the viruses and the things that could disrupt the life of the sheep. He's trying to keep the sheep alive, so he's gonna do his utmost to protect the sheep. We saw actually in the film how Abdallah does this. He has a sheepfold. It's a modern one with fences around it. And it had that iron, uh, sort of cast iron gate that he moves in front of it at one point. Well, back in David's day, when he's writing the Psalm, there weren't modern day sheepfolds. What a shepherd did in those days to protect the sheep is he built a little kind of round container of stones. And the stones would be built up to about four to six feet high. And it would be about just the size of coming around this area here. And he would put the sheep in there at nighttime. And guess what? There was only one entrance in and one entrance out. So to protect the sheep from wolves or from robbers that might come in and try to steal the sheep, the shepherd would lie down at the front of the gate to the sheepfold that he had created. It was the shepherd's way of saying, nothing is going to get past me. Have you seen the Lord of the Rings where Gandalf gets the staff? And he goes, you shall not pass. Remember that moment? You need to watch the Lord of the Rings again if you don't remember. It's a great moment. This is the idea of Jesus as our shepherd. He stands before the gateways of our lives and he says to the enemy, you shall not pass. You're not getting in here. This one's mine. God does this in the sheepfold of the modern day context, the church. We are Jesus's sheepfold. He has constructed a church, not a building, but people. The people around you right now are your place of courage and strength and encouragement and life. This is who you're sitting around right now. The church itself is the sheepfold of God. And here's the thing. As a shepherd, Jesus is at the front door of the church in Hong Kong. He is the gatekeeper. He is the watchman over us, his people. And I don't know about you, but that's really encouraging news for me as we think about what the church might be going through in the years ahead here in our city. I mean, we don't know what's ahead for us, and I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that there's gonna be anything crazy, but the reality is we don't know right now. But what I do know is that we have a God who will protect the church, a God who will fight on our behalf, a God who fights battles for his sheep. That's good news for all of us. Here's the final thing Abdallah says. He says, the heart is where you learn to lead your sheep, to guide them to the right place. It is where you learn to help and guide other people. So the shepherd is not just constantly there for us. He's not just a provider or a protector, but in order to provide and protect, the shepherd also has to do the final thing, and that is to lead, to guide the sheep. I mean, this is constantly what a shepherd needs to do, whether it's into that field or that field, down the valley over here, back into the sheepfold at night. Constantly the shepherd is thinking about, how do I guide, how do I lead the sheep? 
Now, here's what happened in David's time as David's writing this psalm. Normally, a shepherd would bring sheep into, say, a big open field, like you saw in the film, just like that, Judean wilderness. Massive open fields. And the sheep would scatter all over the place to graze and get their food. But every once in a while, the shepherd would need to gather the sheep back to himself. Maybe there's a danger. Maybe he sees a wolf in the distance or something's happening. Or maybe they need shade in that moment. Whatever it is. But the shepherd has to call the sheep in. So here's how the shepherd would do that. The shepherd would come and stand in the middle of all the sheep. This is the reason why we've set up the church this way today. All right? It's not just to be funky and fancy. It's actually to teach you something. You are my sheep. I'm the shepherd, okay? I'm in the middle. So the shepherd would come right here in the middle of all the sheep. And the shepherd would kind of look out and he would make a distinctive call to the sheep. In the film, I don't know if you noticed it, but Abdallah, he put his hand together and I can't make the noise, but he went, something like that, you know. Sounds like a duck. Okay, I'm sure it wasn't a duck. But he made a noise into his hand. That was his distinctive call. Now, a shepherd would come into the center of things, make that call, and the sheep, no matter how scattered they were, would gather around the shepherd. They knew the voice. This is why Jesus says later on, some 1,500 years later, he says, I'm the good shepherd, and the sheep know my voice. Here's the thing. You have a God just like that. You want to know why you can be a non-anxious presence in the chaos of your life right now? Because you have a shepherd who stands right in the middle of the scatteredness of your life and calls out to you with the distinctive call of the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus in your life. That he will come into the darkest places, the hardest places, the most scattered places. No matter how crazy your emotions might be, you have a God who is able to walk into the middle of that for you and call you back into peace with him. Jesus says, all who are wearied and burdened, if they would just come to me, you would find rest. So, so, so these ideas of security, of provision, of protection, and of guidance are the four things that David's trying to communicate about the idea of God being a shepherd. And in David's eyes, if you can get your head around that, that you always have someone with you, always have someone who's gonna provide for you, always protect you, always lead and guide you, he can make the crazy statement at the end of verse one. I am not in want. That's a crazy statement. It's a statement I don't think I have ever made fully. I mean, imagine if we could say that, like David did. Because of all these things, because I have a God who's my shepherd, I know I am not in want. But we all have wants. We all have needs. What is David actually talking about here? Well, he's not talking about the fact that in Christ Jesus, all of your needs and wants will just magically disappear, okay? Okay. He's not saying he's a genie in a bottle who's just going to wave his little magic wand and make everything perfect for you. What he's talking about is that we have a God who is able to provide every good thing that we need in life. Every good thing. Not everything we may want. Maybe not that Ferrari or the perfect body. But every good thing that we need for life and character and sustenance and to get through the things that we face in life, every good thing to help you in whatever it is that God has put in your hands to do, he has provided for that thing. He is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, literally means I shall never lack any good thing. And because of that, we're able to then say this to God, I am 
at rest. Think about this for a sec. If you could honestly say that I lack no good thing, then really what you're saying is, I'm at rest. I'm a restful presence. I'm not trying to grasp a hold of things that are not for me to grasp. I'm not freaking out about stuff that's not for me to freak out about. I'm not trying to find things in my life to satisfy my needs. I'm finding that satisfaction solely in Christ Jesus. I'm alive like I've never been alive before. I'm at peace like I've never been at peace before. This is biblical shalom. Rest in the Bible is not a beach holiday in Bali with a pina colada. Rest in the Bible is this idea of an eternal peace inside of us. This deep eternal peace that strengthens us that we know comes from a God that we absolutely trust, that we're absolutely secure in, one who protects, provides, and guides in us. To say, I am not in one, is ultimately to say, I am at rest. And here's the challenge. Right as we start this series, can we honestly say that we're not at rest? Can we honestly say that we found a place of complete peace? Can we honestly say to ourselves that in every area of our lives, we have no wants, no anxiety, no sense of lack of satisfaction? Because I don't know about you, but I live in Hong Kong. And if you live in Hong Kong, we live in a society and a culture and a place where it's constantly challenging us that we do not have enough. It's constantly telling us that we need more, that we should get more. Look at your neighbor, they have more. Hong Kong is a place where, although God might be saying to us, we need to be able to say, I shall not be in want. Hong Kong is saying to us, I completely lack. <laughs> Are you with me? That's where we live. And so we have to do some wrestling with the reality that actually Hong Kong is shepherding us more than perhaps Jesus Christ is at times. We have to wrestle as a church with the reality that if there are things in my life that are not at peace, if there is stuff in me that is this anxiety wrecked inside of me, if there's stuff going on, then there's probably a part of my life that has not yet been given over to the Lordship of Jesus. Because if David's true that God is our shepherd and that therefore that means we should not be in want, then if I have any areas in my life where I'm in want, I have to ask myself, is God fully my shepherd? Are you following me? That's the challenge of this verse. You could actually read Psalm 23, 1 in reverse. So the actual way of saying it is, God is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The other way of saying it in reverse is, I am in want, therefore God is not fully my shepherd. Do you follow that? That's how we start this series by recognizing that there is still something inside of us. And my question to you right at the beginning is this. What is actually shepherding you? If, if you're honest with yourself, what is actually your shepherd? Is it culture? Is it a relationship you're in? Is it your finances? Is it some life decision you need to make? Is it the pressure of somebody's words that have been spoken over you? Is it the pressure you put on yourself to try to please somebody? 
What actually is it that's shepherding you as the person you are today? And if there's some things inside of you that are anxious and stressed and not fully satisfied, if there's stuff going on inside of you like there is in me, I have to do the work of saying, what then is shepherding that bit of me? Because if the Lord was my shepherd, I could honestly say I'm not in one. I could honestly say this week, is going to be the best week of my life. As we start the series, I want to encourage you to take the time in your own spiritual devotions this week to recognize the things that we started the service with, those anxious places that I had you bring to mind, and to bring those anxious places to God and say, Lord, what is shepherding me in this area? What is guiding me in this place right here? Because I want to be able to bring that to you, and I need you to be with me protecting, providing, and guiding me in that area. Amen? Would you stand with me? I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you'd, maybe we'd finish where we started, just opening our hands. Would you just close your eyes and open your hands? And Father, we say together in our hearts that this is us, this is for us today. We recognize the anxiety that's in us at times. We recognize how we, we are absorbed by the Hong Kong culture and systems. We recognize that we find ourselves unsatisfied because of what culture tells us. We recognize that we have a inherent at times desire for more and more and more. And we recognize, Lord, that every time we do that, it's because something else is shepherding us something that is not of you. Father, we recognize that our, the foundation of a lot of our anxiety is because something is shepherding us more than you. And Father, we come to you today not because you're angry at us, not because you're telling us off. We come to you today because you are creating space for that place of intimacy with you where rest is truly found. Lord, we want to be like David who in being hunted down to be killed could still write and say that he has nothing to fear, nothing to want, no anxiety. That he could proclaim that you are his shepherd, his protector, provider, and guider in life. Lord, I pray that that would become our declaration here at the Vine. Lord, I pray for every person in this room and online who have their hands open right now. Lord, I pray that they would also experience the beauty of a God who is with them right here and now, who has all their cares and concerns in His hands, who fights battles for them and loves them. And Father, I pray You would fill us with the courage to bring our anxieties to You, with the courage to confess the other shepherds in our lives, with the courage to be able to do that together in our community groups alongside of one another so that we could walk in more rest in you. Lord, we desire to be a non-anxious presence amid the chaos of this world. Would that be the focus of the next five weeks for us as a church? And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. Awesome. Let's, uh, let's respond in worship.